Welcome to the CoVenture Podcast. We sit down with leaders, experts, and innovators in Colorado's Roaring Fork Valley and beyond to explore how to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems in rural communities. From tactical solutions to new ways of thinking, we're here to find out what it looks like to succeed together. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part of our Under the Hood series, created in partnership with Slifer Smith and Brampton. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, Mike Mercatoris here, and I want to welcome you back. Um, we're getting back to what I would call regularly scheduled programming. Uh, when we originally started doing this podcast thing here at CoVenture, really the idea was to, to get with these entrepreneurs, to get with these businesses, and kind of really dig into what makes them tick and and find out you know, how they got to where they are. And literally when we sat down to do this thing, COVID hit. And so it became business snapshot. And, and our focus was really you know, talking to entrepreneurs about how they're getting through it, what they're doing, um, how can they get help and you know, um, try and get back to some type of normal. So we feel like we're getting back to some type of normal here. We feel like we're starting to get out and about. And I think the time is now to go ahead and uh, you know, get to the silver linings, get to the other side of COVID and find out what's happening in our valley and, you know, beyond our valleys and, and really kind of get back into these entrepreneurial success stories. So welcome to the first inaugural podcast of Under the Hood. We're a business podcast with the idea of, even though the businesses are nice and shiny on the outside, we really want to go ahead and pop the hood and, and get into the engines and find out what the, makes these businesses tick and these entrepreneurs tick and and what makes them keep going and, and get up in the morning. So I want to go ahead and say hi to our first guest, Tyler Mavius. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Well done. <laughs> we just went over how to pronounce it. And I'm like, oh, man, don't butcher it. Don't butcher it. So um, Tyler is here. And uh, Tyler, you know, full disclosure, is actually um, in our co-venture space. He, he's on the board for co-venture. Uh, he takes up a half our first floor, and I have known Tyler for, I don't know, going on two years now, and had no idea what he does, <laughs> honestly. Um, so I'm, kind of, I'm really excited to dig into this. I'm really excited to have you a little bit of one-on-one, -on -one, you know. We, we, we spend some time, you know, passing each other in the hallways, and it's always, you can tell Tyler's like, He's always got a smile on his face and he's always, you know, super friendly and super cordial, but man, you can see those wheels turning, you know, in your head. So thanks for giving us this hour and, uh, and for being here. No, absolutely. Super excited to be here and uh, great to, uh, to see the new programming and the podcast and great concept. Um, so glad to support and hopefully yeah, I think it'll be fun. an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're excited, you know, this is uh getting into what, you know, what you do on the internet side. It's a little out of the comfort zone for me. You know, it's a little, uh, it's not something I'm used to within real estate and, uh, and restaurants, you know, being real face-to-face -face with the customers and, and finding out, you know, I mean, you have customers all over the world. You've been all over the world. You've done all these different things. And it's just really cool to see it happening, you know, here in our little valley. So thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tyler, we uh, obviously uh, the company that is in our space is is Fastgate, um, which is just 
Is it, did you guys merge with a couple other companies or you acquired a couple other companies? Give us an idea of what Fastgate is and then this new venture that you're, that you're working on, a quick overview. Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, so Fastgate operates out of the co-venture space. Um, there's about 20 people out of that space now. Um, and um, Fastgate is focused on providing um, the connecting conscious consumers with conscious brands and using the internet as part of that. So um, another way of saying that is we are the digital ad agency for some of the largest outdoor brands um, out there. Um, so really kind of focused on that. And Fastgate is part of Smart Media Technologies, which is a holding company um, that I am CEO, CTO of. And so it's one of five companies um, in that portfolio. So we have um, two other agencies, um, the, which we call you know, the professional services side of the business. Uh -huh. um, and those agencies are underpinned by two technologies um, platforms. And so, and that being one being a um, programmatic ad server or a, a e-commerce platform. And then the second being a new um, NFT blockchain technology that we sort of have fused together. Um, yeah. And so with the combination of those two, we can do some really cool things um, in, in the advertising space. So that's kind of the overview. And then those, um, yeah, so funny enough, the, um, all five of those companies at one point um, I had started. Um, so separate companies with um, separate teams right. or, I, or I funded and invested in and was on the board. And so, um, and then decided to sort of, as they all started to get bigger, it felt like it was going to be easier just to put them all in one holding company, one structure, um, but keep them separate because they are different cultures, um, servicing right. different types of customers and, and different services. So that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A little bit of an experiment. See if everyone can play nice in the sandbox. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been good all so far. So it's they're all I would say all the all the teams are definitely cut from the same cloth. So it makes it a That's lot awesome. easier. Well, I mean, you know, they got they got you leading the pack. So you can see that they have a good uh good culture behind them. Um so I smart media, fastgate, everything that you have going on right now is in, incredibly exciting. But I kind of want to know how did you how did you end up here you know what's what's kind of the origin story or story for tyler mabius um you know going back as far as you know you said you went to college in durango and we're kind of around when the first internet advertising started yeah yeah so grew up um, in california um my dad lived in lake tahoe my mom lived in the bay area um and I, at an early age, became infatuated with skiing, um, being, uh, being up in, in the Tahoe area. Um, I think I was like, I saw my first Coors commercial and with, as a kid and was introduced to the Rocky Mountains and um, right. then started to uh, watch Warren Miller and, um, and decided that I needed to, for whatever reason, um, move to Colorado. Um, and my wife, Oriana, would say it was because my soul knew that she was there. Um, and so I applied to one college in one school only, which was Fort Lewis in, in Durango, Colorado, based solely on the criteria that Fort Lewis is the closest college to a ski hill in 
the nation. And so luckily got accepted. Um, and yeah, and moved to Durango where I then um, met my partner and future wife when I was a sophomore and she was a freshman. Okay. And I studied business uh, with an emphasis on marketing. Okay. And got my first email account, I think as a senior. And so now this is uh, 97. Let's date you a little bit. Let's, yeah, uh... there we go. So, <laughs> um, but had like no aspirations around technology or computers. Right. Um, didn't have a passport, had no aspirations to, to leave, you know, Colorado or Durango. Um, and then was out and um, was actually in Redstone, Colorado okay. on a spring break with my wife. Um, and met a gentleman um, who had just started a um, technology company in Seattle and um, like literally started it that month. There was like two employees and um, he had, you know, we had a great conversation and he said, well, what are you going to do when you get out of school? And I said, yeah. I don't know. He's like, well, you should come work for me in Seattle and um, come check out this thing called the internet. And at that time I had an internship um, and, and I had a job opportunity to go to um, Winter Park. And I actually sat down with Gary, the CEO of Winter Park. And he asked me and he said, so we'd love for you to join the marketing team here, you know, but just out of curiosity, what other opportunities you have? And I said, well, I've got this opportunity to move to Seattle um, to go and join this internet.com. And, and he said, really? And so when we talked about it, he's like, Tyler, let me give you some advice. He's like, the ski industry is going to always be here. Sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I will hold your job here if you yeah. want. But this internet thing might be huge. You got to take that job and move to Seattle. Yeah. And uh, called him the next day and accepted it. I graduated on Friday and moved to Seattle on Wednesday. Um, leaving my, uh, and actually on my graduation day, asked Oriana to marry me just to oh, kind of seal, seal that deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so did she go uh, with you? What's that? Did she move with you? No, she still had a year of school left in. Oh Durango. my gosh. Yeah. So that's what I had to make sure that yeah. you know, she knew that it was it was it was that that it was that I was committed to to her right. and, and to my professional career, I guess. And so and then moved, yeah, to Seattle that Wednesday and jumped was like part of the founding team of uh, one of the companies that built one of the first ad serving solutions. So an ad server is the, um, it's, you know, that what is used for serving the ads you see on the internet. And um, I actually remember calling my mom and telling her that I was moving to Seattle. I had just accepted a job and she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, we're going to go put ads on the internet. And she said, <laughs> wow, um, I didn't know there were ads on the internet. And so, and I said, well, I guess there soon will be, because that's what we're going to go and do. And so that was sort of my, that was how I was introduced to the sort of dot-com tech era. So this is 1998. Right. And um, yeah, that company, we um, ended up taking our seed marketing, our, our, our investment from a gentleman by the name of Jeff Bezos <laughs> who had just started this book company um, right? to sell books online. Right. Um, and he needed somebody to help him tell the story that you can buy books online. So we became his ad agency and started working with him on serving wow. the ads and building the technology. Wow. 
and um, we grew. Yeah, it was craziness. Grew to twelve hundred people. Went public, and that company ended up selling to Microsoft for six billion dollars. Oh and, my gosh! Um, became part one of the larger success stories in what our industry is specifically called ad tech, so advertising technologies. What was the name of that company? uh, That was called Aquantif, Aquantif Avenue A. And so based out of Seattle. So yeah, so super lucky. So to watch how you build something from six of us sitting at a picnic table, um, you know, to a multi-billion dollar um, corporation. 1200. That was sort of, I always say my sort of my MBA because I never went and got my MBA, but um, it was an amazing experience. And then left that and went and started my own company with um, one of the gentlemen who was also one of the original six at that company. So we, we left, moved to Santa Monica from Seattle and started our own ad serving company and built our own ad server. And then in 18 months, we ended up becoming the fourth largest website on the internet. And we ended up selling that to a company called Vivendi Universal, which owns like Universal and Vivendi and all the theme parks and so forth. And um, so, did, see, so did, did Universal, did they acquire you because they, they wanted your tech, they wanted your platform, they wanted to take everything in-house? Was it? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so... Um, at the time, Vivendi Universal was acquiring websites. So now this is, we're now in 2000, in 2000 and, or 2001. And so right around, like right before the dot-com pop and the burst. And so they were buying, Vivendi was buying up websites. Um, so they were buying like Disney Go and, or, and um, they were acquiring all these websites and um, they needed a technology to serve ads on those websites. Okay. And so that was why they acquired us. It was for the ad serving solution so that so they could, could monet- so they could monetize their content. Right. So that's right. really what, why do you see advertising on the web is that's what makes the web and makes the content free. Otherwise you pay a subscription. Right. And that's always the age old since the beginning of time. Do you want free television? You watch ads. If right. you want Netflix, you pay 1999 a month. And so, um, to be ad free. So that's, so yeah, so we really helped to, um, you know, that was kind of the, the internet was really the first sort of democratization of content and where, you know, you could, any user could access content from, from anywhere for free. And that was really an ad supported model based off of that. And we were the underlying technology that underpinned that. So. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that Universal was advertising for themselves, for Universal, for whatever. It was they had the content out there. They had the things going. They needed to generate revenue to support what they were doing, building that content. Exactly. So it was advertising for other brands and this and that. But as you say, serving those ads. Yeah, they were they were more of like your classic sort of publisher, right? Like a Time yeah. Warner, AOL or CNN, right? So they were acquiring their own websites as content. And then they needed the technology to monetize that content. That makes sense. To make revenue off of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So then you're, uh, so you're there, you're, you're, you're building this company. I mean, give me a little insight on, I, I want to go back just a second to six people to 1200 employees in basically three years. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you how do you even scale like that? Is it something that you know the the six of you were able to replicate it over and over and over in different locations, or I mean, was it all of a sudden all these divisions doing these individual you know different parts? Yeah, of the so it's, yeah, it, you know, it was it just it started by client by client. So where you know we were getting phone calls from large brands who said, "Hey, we want to advertise on the internet." And so, and at the time we were one of the only shows in town. And so, um, and then that just started to, to really grow. So a lot of that was like sales and account management. Okay. And then the other half of the business was technology. So hiring product managers, engineers, and so forth. Um, and I kind of sat in the middle initially, I wore a lot of different hats, as you can imagine, that's like sure. the beauty of startups, right? So here I was like straight out of school and um, within 18 months, you know, a fun story is I, I was I was wearing fake glasses so that I could look older because I was flying to New York to meet with the CEO of AOL to negotiate a half a billion dollar media deal with beyond my behalf of my client Gateway Computers. Oh and, my gosh! And yeah, and just being you know, the age of I don't even know what I was 25, 24, <laughs> and and sitting down with CEOs. And, um, and, and being the one who's representing, you know, large amounts of money. Um, and, and that's what's exciting about startups is people are, you know, there's, you're, you're really, your, your growth trajectory is based on merit and not experience, um, particularly in industries like the internet or the blockchain where nobody has experience. There is no experience to bring in. Right. Um, So it's really just based on on merit and which is um, really exciting. And I think I really took that with me in in my companies that I built in terms of how do you sort of drive towards these high performance cultures and, you know, how do you work hard, play hard? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the play hard, I think, came later in life on like company number four and like Fastgate um, because it was the first three were definitely work hard. And just, just work hard. Just, just keep working hard. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. I mean, like literally the, the, the thing, you know, the stories you hear and, you know, the Silicon Valley would just, you know. Yeah. And that was us. I mean, we were, you know, going to that 1200, like it was, in, it was insane. Like we were hiring 30 people a month. Um, we had billboard, like we were trying to recruit as many people as we could. We had a billboard um, next to the old Amazon, like the hospital right there on the highway in yeah. Seattle. Um, just saying, you know, saying Avenue A is hiring and we had eight full-time recruiters in house and um, it was just complete chaos, but it was super exciting. And be like, was, we don't even know what we're hiring for. I can't tell you what you're going to do, but just get here. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, and that was it. It was actually just this very, it was a, it was a criteria of hiring based on, on values, based on culture, just okay. and GP, like just hire really smart people. There's going to be a job for them to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there wasn't even, and that was like, what was so exciting about it was just kind of like recruiting tribes. Sure. Like in, in, right. And just thinking of it of like tribal mentality of, well, what is the underlying sort of culture and values and just make sure that we get, you know, kind of good culture fits and, and, yeah. and, um, it's, and it's the only way you can grow a team that fast um, from that standpoint. But, you know, there's definitely, yeah, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> It was, it was a crazy, I think that's why I have so much gray hair now. I was going to say some learning curve. So what, I mean, what would you, you know, like, what was the hardest part? What was it like scaling that fast? 
Was it, um, was it the systems? Was it the, you know, the tech side or, you know, the business side? Like the, was it, was it building the tech fast enough to handle all these, all these new clients and this stuff? Or was it the business side where we have to recruit and train and build and systematize and be able to replicate this? Yeah, I think it was, so in that company, you know, we were, it was so um, early internet and um, so you had a lot of different dynamics. So there's obviously, there was like the scaling of the teams, right? So there's the people of the culture side, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that was a big, a big challenge of just, we were really lucky that, you know, there was more work to be done um, than, than, than we could hire for and train up for. And so that was definitely a, a pain point. Then there's also kind of like market fit, right? So this, the industry was just, you know, it's so nascent. And so you're just, you're also just trying to figure out how to price for this and what's the business model and- Oh my gosh, um, yeah. Right? And people and, going, I, w- I want to do this. I want to pay you. I want to advertise. And you're kind of going, I don't know what to charge you yet. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's it. And like, what are the fee? Yeah, how should you charge it? And so, so we yeah. adopted like traditional models, like traditional agency models and so forth. But- okay those like it does it doesn't work when you're dealing with technology where you have like this these variable costs of goods sold like such as ad serving so where you know depending on how many ads you're serving and so forth your 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 tech costs are are much higher right and this is you got to remember this is back when there was no such thing as cloud computing so we sitting on your servers literally our server so so not only are we adding human capital as fast as we can we were literally adding, we couldn't buy enough Dell servers at oh the time and, right. like, and, and build out what are called your colos. And so your data centers, right, to be redundant. And so that, and then, you know, we had a big red siren in the building and um, it would go off every time ad serving went down. So when the tech broke and so, and it was just constantly going off. And, right. so, and what, the, what that meant was everybody had to man the phones and you had to call your clients and you had to explain why the ad serving was down. But the tech team is fully aware. You don't, don't call us. We're calling you. Uh-huh, we're, uh-huh. We're, we're, and so, you know, so it was just, you know, again, very chaotic, but at the same time, you know, exhilarating um, in terms of, yeah, you know, when you have fire alarms going off all the time. That is awesome. When they say in business, you know, a lot of it is just running around putting out fires. Yeah, literally. (laughs) In some cases, I'm sure some of those machines were actually on fire. Right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So that's, I mean, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's what a challenge. And then so, but you, you exited and then you started your, your own company and uh, you and a buddy, but the thing was still the culture. Like you were carrying the culture. Yeah, we grew that and that was great. And that that happened really quick right at the end. Like two, yeah, that was like 2001, 2000, like into 2002. Super lucky, ended up selling that to Vivendi, like I said, and then ended up managing up in a $70 billion French waterworks company, which is ultimately what Vivendi Universal is. is it's okay. the, yeah, it's the water utility company of France. That's what they started. Really? Yes, so. So you stayed on and you were managing in that as, as part of the- Yeah, I was president of the division, right? Because that's okay. what they acquired. So I stayed on board. I had an 18 month, um, you know, earn out. And so I stayed on for that, learning to manage up, 
with this big, you know, um, it, with this French waterworks company trying to figure out how to, how to, how to, how to build an internet company in the, in the U S. So that was a great, um, experience and learning managing up. And then, um, I had a two year non-compete as a result of that sale. So I wasn't allowed to do anything digital media related in okay. North America. So I left my wife and I moved to Whistler. We then moved to Costa Rica and took, ended up taking eight months of just skiing and surfing. And then the internet arrived in Europe. And so, meaning they went from paying on a per data usage basis to a flat rate. Um, and so this is like 2004. So then in 2000, yeah, so when is that? Yeah, so I left, yeah, so I had sold 2002, then was on for 18 months, then left. So then 2000, so I still have my non-compete in North America. I wasn't allowed to do anything. So. My Wait. wife and I moved to Munich, Germany. Europe. Okay. Yep. We moved to Munich. I called up my best friend from college, who was the only person who I knew who had a Austri Austrian passport and spoke German, <laughs> and said, "I'm going to move to Germany. I'm going to go build an ad serving company in Europe." Um, and he said, "Great. I've always wanted to go use my German." And so, um, <laughs> so we moved with the intentions of skiing the Alps. So you know, my theme is like. Skiing has always steered me right. right. And so, yeah, so we wanted to go ski the Alps. We had very, you know, it was just a matter of like, we'll go there, we'll go start the company, we'll see what sort of happens. Um, and then, so it was just he and I living at a hotel room. Uh, my wife was, so she was still packing up from LA and she was going to come out four months later, uh -huh. uh, but she did. And we just went and started focusing on building um a ad network ad serving called adconian uh -huh. and that you know fast forward uh two and a half years later ended up raising 100 million dollars in equity we grew that to 700 people and 28 wow. offices in 14 countries wow so that same hyper growth so then kind of you know saw what we did that first time did you kind did of replicated you that had to learn some different languages and rules around like opening up those. So we lived in yeah. Munich for four years. Then we ended up um, moving into Southeast Asia. So we moved um, to Australia, to uh, Sydney, and then ended up um, the technology, the primary technology ended up being built out of Santa Monica. So we had like 112 engineers at one point um, reporting into me. And then, so we decided to move back. And at that time we had three kids. So my, youngest so, Asher in two years had lived in 12 different homes on three continents. Oh my gosh. Yes. So we were ready to be grounded. So, oh, so we went back to Santa Monica. We're there for 18 months. And then, um, 2010, um, we had our fourth child and then, so we had four kids and Anconian was growing. It was big and, um, wieldly. And so then we yeah. moved back to the Valley to uh, be supported by, by the grandparents and to raise the kids here. And then I sold that company. So and, back yeah. with Agconia, you know, you're, you're scaling this thing again. You're going from the two of you. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, were you still working with the servers, you know, like physical servers and oh, yeah. you know, building yeah, warehouses? I, I actually smuggled Cisco switches in my <laughs> suitcase from LA to Munich to go to the Colo data center because you couldn't find the right Cisco switches that we needed. 
for managing the, the low latency um, trap, like internet traffic is very fast. So basically uh -huh. the way it works is when an ad is served on the internet, uh -huh. um, you have 150 milliseconds to respond from Google or from Yahoo or, you know, from the website, which is two uh -huh. blinks of an eye. Okay. So you got to trap, you got to, you know, cover a lot of distance um, in that time. And so it required a lot of high performance hardware and we couldn't find that hardware in Europe. Um, so it was actually easier for me to fly back to LA and put these Cisco switches, which I still, we still have, we kept them. Um, and we actually went and then the, I remember in the middle of the night going to this data center in Munich with my partner <laughs> because the guy who was setting it up for us couldn't speak English. And so we were speaking German, trying to figure out how to set up our, our Cisco switches so we could start serving the first hello world. Um, oh my gosh. The first, the first ads in, in Europe um, um, on, on the tech out there that we built in Munich, yeah. Wow. And this you're so you're scaling again. Um, you get this company and you go ahead, you, you you exit again. And we're literally talking about, I mean, it's almost, you know, if my math is correct, it's it's about 12 years that you have done all this and had three children. Four. Yeah. Four children. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when my dad uh, like before he passed. And I was opening the first restaurant and getting married and having kids and this and that. And, you know, I said to him, oh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so stressful in this. And they said that the three biggest things you're going to do is most stressful is one, having a kid, two, opening a business and three, buying a home. And, you know, I did that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You did that four times with how many different businesses and what, 13 different houses, you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, the, true, the true hero has been my wife through all of this. She yeah, has, I'd say. She has been the one who has enabled me and allowed me to, uh, to to live the ambitious life that we do. But yeah, if it wasn't for her, it would have, none of that would have happened. Oh man, that's awesome. And so. And 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 it's a miracle we're still together. Through yeah, all well, there is. <laughs> and now it's like now you know, is it is part of your your daily routine like just uh reminding yourself of that pumping the brakes yeah. okay well and that's why there's guardrails on like how we do things now because like you know in all honesty that was we almost didn't make it like through through the end of that through ad um yeah. and that was a big part of why we um, moved back to the Valley was just to get her more support because it was just getting, it wasn't manageable anymore. And it, it got really hard. And I was under a ton of stress um, at the time um, at Coney and, you know, we had grown, but we also um, had gotten hit with some really challenging times of, you know, at one point I had a payroll of $22 million and right. we had run out of money from a funding standpoint and like not even knowing where that, where we were going to get that funding. And so, you know, I wasn't sleeping at night for weeks right. on end and just extreme stress and it was not healthy whatsoever. And so mm -hmm. I learned a ton, um, during, through all of that and, um, was very fortunate to have an amazing board and, um, some real stewardship through those hard times and then was able to, to navigate our way to a strategic sale, which was incredible. Um, and ended up selling Edconian to Singtel, which is one of the largest tel like telcos in Southeast Asia and India and Singapore. And um, yeah, and then slowly transient and then so sold that and then ended up starting Fastgate literally the next month um, right 
So, yeah, you know what? I think most entrepreneurs have been there. You know what I mean? Had those had those feel those exact feelings you know, you were just talking about. Um, maybe not on the scale you had. I mean, no, it's all the same. It's all relative. I, it's yeah. still yeah. no matter it, the, it. It's still the same fetal position. A hundred percent. You know, and you, you like the reality is, is like you know, you saying you had twenty two million dollars of payroll. I mean, those are those are people that at the end of the day are kind of relying on you know what you built to, to feed their families. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, no matter if it's three people or, you know, at this point, 700 people, you mm -hmm. know, so I, I get it. And like you said, that, that fetal position. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you said you had the board. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, who, who kind of peeled you out of the fetal position and said, listen, man, this, this, this happens. There's a reason why they write books about this type of the thing, because mm -hmm. it does happen to everybody. It's not just happening to you. This has happened before, you know, who gave you that that lift to see yeah. the trees. Yeah, I would say, you know, it was a combination of a lot of, it was, it was an amazing support network um, on the board, like definitely our chairman who was, um, you know, had a lot of experience. One of my other board members um, who was one of the VCs who um, invested in us early was amazing. He, he, you know, often he, I, I'll never forget. We were in Munich at the, at actually at the Oktoberfest. Um, and we were just walking home and like back to the hotels or whatever. And, and I had just kind of shared with him the personal struggles and just managing all of this, you know, both yeah. sides of, you know, managing effectively two families, my Adconian family, my professional family, which right. I spent, you know, 18 hours a day with and, and then I had, you know, my, my family at home and it just, and, and just not being able to, 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 to be great at either of those any longer. And, um, and, and he was the one who just, you know, pulled me aside and was like, you know, move back to Colorado, like go, like you focus on your family and on the support, because if you're not coming from a place of strength and if you're not being supported, you're not going to be able to do what you need to do here you know? And so yeah. you got to, you got to realize that and, and kind of take that step back. And so, um, so that was like, that was amazing to be given that sort of, um, to be given, you know, to be given that opportunity or affirmation to be able to do something like that. So. Right. Right. And permission. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. The permission. Exactly. Honestly, permission. it's okay to put your oxygen mask on first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It really is. Yeah. Um, and so you, you had moved back to Colorado. And when we say back to Colorado, your, your wife is originally from Carbondale. So you spent time in the Carbondale. Redstone. Area. What's Redstone. that? Redstone. He's from Redstone. Oh, excuse. Yes. Sorry. Actually all the way through college. As we always, she'd always say, yeah, I'm from Redstone. Oh, how many people are there? Oh, 96. Well, 95 now that I'm, now that I'm here in Durango. <laughs> Cause I'm not there at 95 and I know all of them. And for those, for those people out in podcast land, like, um, we have this, we run up and down highway 82 Aspen's at one end, uh, Glenwood's at the other end, Carbondale's kind of in the middle. And then Redstone is I, west of Carbondale, uh, probably about 20 miles kind of wander through a beautiful Canyon. It is one of the most amazing, beautiful places you'll ever be. And it really is like a downtown main street with, I do, is, I don't even think it's a paved road, is it? Uh, it's yeah, it's paved road, but oh, okay. All right. The Ruby of the Rockies, as it's yeah. called. 
right? With the, the jewel of the Redstone Castle and the Redstone Inn. It's actually, we got married at the Redstone Castle. Yeah. Did you really? We did. Redstone is near and dear to us. So, in fact, we just a couple months ago bought the Redstone General Store. And yes, you so, did. And that was one of those I ran into you in the hallway and it was like, hey, Tyler, what's happening? And I was expecting to hear, you know, you know, oh, we're changing the world or this or that. And he goes, oh, well, we just bought the Redstone uh, General Store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, fair enough. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, this is like 96 people in, in the town, people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just the heritage that, that um, yeah, my wife, she's like fourth generation, her, her dad and she was born and raised there and, um, and Jeff Beer, he's still there and, yeah. and, and Jeanette. And it's been, uh, it's just an iconic, you know, it's a 154 year old store and yeah. it's a, like trading post for all the miners up the coal road and just, yeah. you know, the foundation is like, it, it's yeah, the whole thing is it, it's, it's, it's very authentic. And, um, and code word yeah. for a uh, lot of maintenance <laughs> yeah no, it's definitely it's definitely a passion project and so but it's awesome and we've got an amazing partner in it and with and with rochelle and um yeah and, and a big part of it is we're, you know we're really into giving back where we can and yeah, in absolutely nonprofit with like 13 moons and like one of those and she's just really into child education and, and into the kids and we have four kids so and you know imagine you know four kids with you know each of them bringing two friends you know that's why we have a large sprinter um right. and so <laughs> you know it's so a lot of you know the way i was sold on it i was just like what with the last thing line we need is like something like that right with everything that i have going on in my life right now like we're building the blockchain babe like and she's just like i don't even know what she's like but then we're talking about ice cream here in the redstone yeah. general store and imagine the kids will have summer jobs scooping ice cream and yeah. I was like, oh you're right that's a good idea okay. yeah, yeah yeah it's a great well, idea. they got jobs <laughs> that's like <laughs> i love it because i got a 15 year old right now who i'm like hey does anyone need some help i gotta find something for him to do or yeah hey he can come scoop my 15 year old we need the redstone send him up Love them up in the sprinter serious we have a whole like kids ice cream program so that's awesome don't tempt me <laughs> no, i'm dead serious i'm okay. actually you tell him to bring his friend bring his like best buddy they can work together no that'd be great yeah yeah <laughs> yeah everyone knows the challenge of that i mean you're in and on top of it all you got four of them and you got all this stuff going on so you're in here your your wife's your wife's from redstone so you're i'm going to get back to carbondale we're going to get back closer to family family can help with the kids were you still in at Anconium um when you moved back to carbondale yeah yep so i was there and then that actually added a whole other layer of complexity because i was commuting every week so i was flying out monday mornings from aspen to la and flying back thursday nights right so did that for about two years um wow. And that was, yeah. So you, you know, Aspen's yeah. not the most reliable airport to getting in and out of. So that just adds kind of a whole layer of complexity and, um, you know, and, yeah. And it was amazing. And I ended up meeting, um, a mentor as a result of that, who was also on that same program and uh, a gentleman by the name of Casey Sheehan, who was the uh, CEO of Patagonia. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Run. So we would, we were sitting there, we, we met each other. We would be sitting there like walking to the, to the, to the same hotel when our flights got canceled. And, um, 
and he ended up taking me under his wing and then his wife Tara who's who's near and dear she's like she's like the aunt of our house now and and um yeah. And so he actually, it was, it was amazing because during that same time, it was really tough, you know, with the, the commute and everything else and, and, and hearing, you know, here's the CEO of Patagonia, my God, right? Like yeah. one of the most impactful, yeah. like aspiring companies. And, yeah. um, and then just seeing that, you know, he was tired too, like on the, on, on the commute. And so, and, and, you know, and realizing like, you know, really helping me to, to realize, you know, what is that work-life balance and like, at what point is it, you know, no longer worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yeah, so yeah, he gave me a lot of great counsel through that. And then, yeah. And then, and then ended up selling the company and then, um, yeah. And then focusing then on now where we are now and, you know, with the only, prerequisite of that for my wife is you can build whatever you want to build in the next company, but you have to do it from Carbondale. Yep. So that's where. Wow. And you, you, like you said, you, you, okay, that was, you know, you, you sold that company and you literally took the weekend off (laughs) maybe, and then started fast game. And like, and it just like definitely took us about, you know, it takes a long time to build the tech too. So when I say starting it, it was like starting to build the technology. Right. And so, and that really takes a long time to write, you, you know, you got to write the specs and architect it and takes time to code. And so, um, is it, is so it that, that takes a while. So it's not like full on again. Right. And so, um, and, and my intention was not to go full on with Fastgate. Fastgate was actually more of a lifestyle. I just wanted to work with cool brands. You know, I had this midlife crisis of being in advertising, um, of just like, wow, am I really going to be an ad man for the rest of my life? Um, so I did a quick stint on trying to be a cowboy. That didn't work so hot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was learned a lot. Got got, totally, got got bucked off my horse quite a few times, and yeah. uh, that was humbling. And then, um, but then ended up coming back in, and um, yeah, and and it, it with really just of if I'm going to be in advertising, then I want to amplify the messaging and amplify brands. Yeah. that are truly doing good for the world, right? Which, and hence uh, the mission of connecting conscious brands with conscious consumers. And and here you are sitting next to and sharing, you know, commute with the CEO of Patagonia. Who's yeah, like, absolutely. They're like, hey, you know, could you have a better example? Exactly. You yeah. know, of a conscious brand. So did that kind of lead you into, we talked, you touched a second on conscious capitalism. Yeah, um, and it was actually Casey that introduced me to it. So he's part of the conscious leadership forum. Um, and, and then his wife, um, Tara, um, was a big, was a big leader in, in that movement as well on just really shifting the narrative around capitalism. Right. right. Yeah. Capitalism is, you know, it's oftentimes seen as a four letter word. And so really embracing that. And then, um, ended up getting introduced to the book conscious capitalism with Raj Sasoda and then, uh-huh. And Raj has become a mentor for me now and is in, is an amazing individual. In fact, it was just three how weeks did, ago down in Costa Rica with them. And how did out. that happen? How, how are you able to like this, this book, Conscious Capitalism? I mean, it's out there and a lot of people, you know, are, are on the track and this and that. Were you able to just pick up the phone and call the author and say, hey, I really like what you do. You want no, to- no, actually, <laughs> it was, no, it was way more serendipitous than that. Yeah, yeah no, it was. 
constant me reading it, me then saying, you know, selling the company and then knowing that I was leaving. And at this point, you know, it's with the 700 people I did, I did my sort of final like world tour to all the offices. I wanted to go and say goodbye to all of the offices. And so, and Raj gives this amazing presentation um, on a TED talk, 20 minute presentation on confish capitalism. So I, uh, shamelessly, I just ripped it off and just took like literally like screenshot really? slides, uh, his, all his slides on the Ted talk, handed it to one of my designers and said, here, make it so it doesn't look like I totally ripped it off. Gonna, in it's real like, estate, we call that R and D rip off and duplicate there. So that, <laughs> and so we, uh, so did that. And then I went to all the offices on, on a tour and I gave this presentation cause it's, it so spoke to me on, you know, if I could give one thing to my family as I was sort of on my way out yeah, um, yeah, totally. was really just a, a way, to, a new way to think about capitalism and business and being conscious, because I think it really struck to the core. It, it, it gave us a vocabulary and a way, any kind of a way to connect with what we already knew and felt, but uh -huh. we didn't have a narrative or a framework to really be describing why we're doing what we're doing in, in that tribal mentality. Right. Right. And, right. Values and understanding that there's stakeholders in that. And so, so I was really touched by it. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you know, now, well, I don't know where, what, so like 2018 or something. Yeah. Um, I went to school with a lovely woman who is one of the great leaders of this valley, Gina Murdoch yep. um, at Fort Lewis in Durango. Uh -huh. And we ended up reconnecting. And then she had just started Lead with Love, which was this organization up out of Aspen, which was yep. transforming fear to love and doing her whole thing. And then, um, and she had asked me to come and tell my story or what have you. And she's like, oh yeah, I have the guest speaker coming, Raj Sasoda and, and John Mackey. And I'm like, what? From Consciousness? And she's like, yeah. Oh, do you want to introduce them? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. like, my life. like, this is amazing. Like, um, so that's how it all came about. So we, and then since then, yeah, Raj and I have stayed in contact and yeah, it's been, it's been great. That's awesome. And so Fastgate is... I, we're kind of the fast gate. <laughs> um, and it is, it, it's an ad company and it is, so what, you know, like, I guess the interesting part was what I wanted to know was at each exit, did you feel like, like a relief, like, okay, there were these things I want to do, but this company was so big at this point, it was like more like turning a battleship. And now you're on to like going back into the speedboat and you can maneuver quickly and pivot and do what you want to do. Was there a conscious thing from where you were uh, with Iconium to Fastgate where you're like, I want to do this now. I want to do this differently. I want to pursue this part of the business. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was, it, it was really just more, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to where I could take sabbaticals. I could take from work. Um, and so, and it's really, and it's really just like, I get this sort of, I have a, I, I suffer from FOMO in a big way. And sure. so, and yeah. so on all aspects of my life. And so, <laughs> so there's this fear of missing out when, you know when, when your best powder day is right. Yeah, exactly. Like every aspect. You don't ski. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, the internet is just moving so quickly and it's innovating. Okay. And at the time of when I had sold Adconian, there was a huge shift in the technology to twofold. One, everything moved to cloud computing. So you yep. didn't need to buy servers anymore. Yep. Uh, and two, everything moved to what's called programmatic, which is real-time bidding. So uh, in essence, um, all ads on the internet today are like the, are, are like the NASDAQ. 
where there's a bid and there's a there's a there's a bid and um and and a buy and a bid and an ask for every ad. Okay. Meaning that when you go to the New York Times and you see that ad or that banner ad, mm-hmm. yeah, there behind that there are millions of people who are bidding in real time to have the opportunity to show their ad there. on that banner. On that banner in that moment, and you have 150 milliseconds to respond to New York Times with your bid and with the ad saying, I'm willing to bid on the behalf of Fjallraven. Like, um, I'm willing to bid, you know, $12 for this ad right now. Sure. And they pulled a real time auction within two blinks of an eye and you either win or you lose. And so. And, and, and not only do you, do you buy, but you were saying it's like you buy and the ad goes up. You buy it, 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 you, you respond the ad call. Yeah. You respond with your price you're willing to pay and the ad. And so not like, and then it instantly is served if you win. And so two blanks when I, it's not like, okay, I'm going to do this for $12. And then they're a week later, you're going to put this yeah, up. 150 milliseconds. If it takes you longer to respond, the request is times out. And so you're just, Oh my gosh. So, so it's, so those two things, one, I was the fear of missing out on programmatic because we had just started building um, the, uh, that new type of technology at Iconian. So I knew what to do and how, like what the architecture looked like, uh-huh. but why I would never been able to do that before in Carbondale is because there wasn't AWS, there wasn't cloud computing. So we could, oh. so all I had to put all my time and effort into was writing the code, not the hardware. And that could be housed somewhere else. And yeah, you could, I could just upload it to an Amazon server. Right. And, and then Amazon would run the code. And so then, so that was because of that, it was sort of just, you know, I really just went into it as, oh, this would be fun um, to, to figure out and, and I'll make sure that I stay relevant and that I don't miss like what's going on in the industry. So sure. that, yeah, and so that department. started to all sort of take place and that would be um, like 2015, 2016. And um, we started building, yeah, and I didn't, and it was really just more, you know, I was skiing and biking and hanging out with my kids more than worrying about building the tech at any sure. rate. So yeah, it was much more of like sort of lifestyle and then blockchain came about. And so yeah. in like 2015, I was introduced to it and then I was sort of bitten by the bug. And, and this is, I, I, I want to hear the story and I actually, Tyler, we might break this. I know you got to go and uh, we're coming up on a hard stop. So yeah. I might want to break this in two parts if that's okay with you, but we're talking about you're, you're working in the technology, you're building out Fastgate. It's more of, it's not a, it's more of a lifestyle project. You're bringing in great people to work with. I mean, the people that are at the company that, you know, I see every day, it's, you can just tell, you know, it's a great company, a great vibe, but they're serious about what they do. Now you have this awakening to blockchain. And I think this, the best part was, is you sold your car for, that's yeah. how you got introduced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was actually really fitting because um, the guy who I started in 1998 as one of the first six at that first company, yeah. then he and I left and we went and started that sec- the second company together and we ended up selling that. He then ended up going off into, into the crypto space uh-huh. and was, became the co-founder of the first stable coin called Tether. And, uh-huh. uh, Tether, Tether is is larger than Bitcoin. It trades a hundred billion dollars a day. Um, and, 
so he he was went head first in um into it and um and so he and he, we were living in we had we're moving from santa monica back to back to um to carbondale and so and i had my car and he needed a car and he was like dude give me your car like you know can i buy your car and i was like okay and he's like what you know he's like what do you want for it and i'm like i don't know just look up the kelly blue book and just give me whatever it says and so he's yeah, like yeah like how about i give you some bitcoin and i'm like what and he's like, <laughs> i'm like he's like yeah i'll how about he's like dude I'm, I'm like long and I'm long in Bitcoin right now. And I'm a little short on fiat, which is like current, like doll, like that's what all the crypto guys call dollars. Right. It's right. 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 Was it financially that it's all based on the financial system? Yeah. Well, yeah. Fiat, fiat just means that it's a, it's a, it's a country backed currency. Currency. So, exactly. so any currency that relies on the GDP of a country is. Yeah. Yeah. I always just knew it as a shitty car. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, did you yeah. sell him a fiat? Really? Yeah, no, it's just, it's, now it's just a shitty currency and so, and versus cryptocurrency. And so, um, yeah. And so he, yeah. So, and so I was like, all right, I'll like, I'll, I'll sell you my car for some Bitcoin. He's like, yeah, it'll be great for you. Like I'll yeah, force yeah. you to get a wallet and figure out like, he, you know, figure out this whole Bitcoin thing. And so, so that was it. And so he, I, I got some Bitcoin for the car and then, um, ended up teaching me ended up being you know one of the the best things i ever did <laughs> not only because i at the time bitcoin was at 200 dollars, but right, um, right but more importantly because he introduced me to uh to the blockchain and which was very fitting because he was right by my side when the first revolution of technology took place with the internet disrupting oh, and having the biggest impact on humanity. And here he introduced me to the second wave, um, which is the blockchain and what the blockchain is going to do to the world as we know it. I'm loving this. I mean, all the connections, I mean, what you've gone through, the building these companies and each one of these companies, you know, going successful exits, I mean, struggles, you know, personal struggles and and breakdowns just like any entrepreneur has it's you know but being able to exit and take that next step and the next step and the next step i cannot wait to do part two of this because i'm i personally am very excited to find out about the blockchain and the nfts and how that relates to you're still in the ad game it's still there's still some marketing behind this or uh um and i'm just fascinated so yeah 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 i guess let's do it we'll do yeah yeah, part two. Part right. dose? Yeah. All right, then. Well, it's, uh, it is what? I'm actually on the East Coast sitting here at uh, the lake I grew up on as a little kid, and it is like foggy and miserable and cold, but still beautiful in its own East Coast way. Oh, great. Well, today the, the sun and the warmth is back. So is it? Yep, in the valley here. It's gorgeous. Now, Colorado Bluebird. All right, man. Well, go get some of that bluebird. Enjoy the time with your kids and we will catch up later. Thanks again for doing this. All right. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. All right. Bye. CoVenture is a nonprofit based in Carbondale, Colorado. We're on a mission to empower rural communities to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems through tactical solutions and engagement. Find us online at coventure.io. Please contact us if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities.